All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. We're the official HockeyFights.com sponsor. Go see them if you love carnage and mayhem. All right, Tim. We're down to two. We had game seven the other night, and it was a tightly played affair, to say the least. There was one goal, one nothing. The Tampa Bay Lightning came out ahead. They came out victorious. On a shorthanded goal by Yanni, don't call me a potato or a squash gourd. Yanni Gord scores the uh, shorthanded goal, gives them the advantage that they need. They ride Vasilevsky. Did you know Andre Vasilevsky just set a record? Four straight elimination games. He's gotten four straight shutouts. Incredible. Absolutely. Clutch, it's so good. Clutch goaltending. It seriously is. So Tampa Bay back where they were last year onto the finals facing another surprise team, much like last year. Everyone was surprised that Dallas Stars made the finals last year in the bubble. And here we go. Now, again, they got the Montreal Canadiens. Upstart team. No one predicted them even to make it out of the East, and here we are. So, my Siri was going off. Did you? Can you hear it? No, I didn't. It just went off. Anyways, it just says they're playing tomorrow night. So, <laughs> A, I thought the Islanders were going to win. I was very disappointed that they didn't. They, they played well in game seven. Don't get me wrong, but Tampa Bay, like, we, we I was talking to Barclay Goodrell. He played so well that game in game seven. Their line played incredibly well in all facets of the game. They were in on the forecheck. They killed penalties great. They're just a thorn in every line they play against side. And they really did play well. And Kucherov played, which was a big surprise. Everyone was kind of wondering if he played. He looked like he was laboring. He wasn't the same guy. He wasn't moving as well as he usually does. We'll see how that carries over into the finals. They don't really have that long of a layoff. The the games start, we're going to release this on Monday. So they start tonight. So it's going to be interesting how that injury affects him and affects the whole team throughout the series because you know Montreal is going to be keen on that, especially with those massive defensemen that they have. Any chance that guy crosses the blue line, he's just going to have to pay a price because – those four defensemen have just crushed all. And I don't want to say crushed. They've, they've leaned on every team that they've played against. So let's just, so what did you think of game seven? What do you think about this matchup, Tim? 
Game seven was a little boring. I was disappointed by the Islanders. Just uh, they did. I wouldn't say they didn't show up, but they didn't play their best game with the season on the line. And it's too bad. I mean, Tampa, I think when, like I said before game seven, like they're just the better team. And I think they, they just deliver when it mattered most. The one good, you know, bright spot for me is that now I can root for Montreal. I'm all in on Montreal, right? Like I, I don't want Tampa to win. The Islanders in Montreal could have been like a, either way. I'd, I'd like to see both of those teams. So now that it's just Montreal and Tampa, I'm all in on Montreal. So it makes things clean and easy for me. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy too. Like like Pat Maroon, this is his third straight Stanley Cup Finals. He's won the last two. Does he, does he go for the the hat trick, or do you think he's going to be? We'll talk about. It. We're going to break it all down here in the official uh, preview of the Stanley Cup Finals here. It was funny. Did you? I saw the tweet that the Canadian government sent out, and they said, "All of Canada is behind you, Montreal Canadiens. Go for the cup." And they just got ripped apart. <laughs> Every other province was like, "No, we are not <laughs> going for Montreal. We hate Montreal. We're going for whatever team plays Montreal. Please take back this tweet." So even in Canada, Montreal is pretty overwhelmingly hated outside of Quebec. Yes, there's. There's Montreal fans in every province, but for the most part, nobody likes Montreal. And that goes back to just being, they're, they're, they're a successful team. They're the New York Yankees of hockey, they've all, they hold the record for Stanley Cups with 22. They set the standard for how a franchise is run. They, they're always good. You know, they, they've obviously struggled the last 20 years, but in the 100 years of NHL, they're the top dog. And that's why everyone hates them. You know, no one really hates the Leafs as much as they hate Montreal because Montreal is so much more successful than Toronto ever dreams of being. I don't like Montreal just for that reason. I grew up, I was a Bruins fan. We were in the Canadians division and boy, oh boy, did they always have some pretty epic battles with Kovalev and all these guys. And it was just fantastic hockey to watch. So I, I'm going to save my prediction, because I'm going to save it for the end of the show, Tim. I always just let the cat out of the bag a little too early, and I'm going to slow play it this time. Let's let's just break down this series, but there's a few little tidbits that we should talk about before we break down offense, defense, goaltending. There's a big player on Montreal's side that is entering COVID-19 protocol. It's Armia, Joel Armia. So I don't know what the protocol is for the NHL right now, Maybe you do. What What does this entail? I know for the coaches, it means he's out for a week and he's got to have a couple negative tests before he comes back in. But the interesting thing with Armia, he already had COVID. So how is he in the protocol at all? I've never heard of anybody in the whole world who's gotten it twice. Maybe one guy in Bulgaria who got it twice. But what's what's going on with Armia, Tim? You're the hockey insider. Give us Give us the update. All right, here's the deal. So COVID protocol can mean a lot of different things. It doesn't necessarily mean that he tested positive. He could have been exposed, a family member, someone he was in the room with or whatever. So I think they're being careful. And and uh, what's his name? Um, Bergevin was saying earlier today that he doesn't have any more updates with him other than he didn't. He won't be traveling on the team plane with the rest of the guys. That doesn't mean that he can't be there for game one or two. He'd have to fly separately after whatever protocol takes place. I don't think it's nearly as strict as what what we saw even a month ago, um, even in Canada. So I I think it's still possible he plays. By the time this episode's released, we might even know. Um, But yeah, he did have it back in April, the report I read said. So, uh, you know, maybe they're being a little overly cautious and just there's no... I mean, I can't imagine them not letting play in the Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? So hopefully hopefully he gets in there because he's certainly an important player for the Canadians. Well, yeah, if, if he's gone, he changes their whole their whole lineup. 
Like that line that he's on with Stahl and Perry is a very dangerous line. Every, every series that they've been part of, they've they produce every single game. So if he's gone, that's a huge hit. He's a very sneaky, sneaky, good, productive player. So I like him. We've talked about him on the show. I played with him for one game in Buffalo. Did you know that? So we're pretty much best friends. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Another thing, the Canadians are hopefully going to have their coach back coming on Wednesday. So he did get COVID. That's why he's out, I, th- I think, right? He got it? I think so, yeah. So he's going to be back on Wednesday. That's exciting. They'll get him back. Vegas, did you see the odds for Vegas and the Habs? I did. I'm not a bet. I'm not a betting man, but yeah, tell me about it. It's overwhelming. Lightning are the favorites. So I don't know how these work very well because I don't bet. You know, I played. Remember Pro Line? Did you do that growing up? Where you used to bet wins losses? So I did. I was pretty heavy into that as a kid, where you could just go and bet. Like you had to bet at least three games. And you just bet win-loss, and you played the spread. But the spread was always like two, two and a half. So right now the Lightning are negative 275. So I believe you have to bet $275 to win $100. That's what I think is happening here. And the Habs are 225. So if you bet $100, you win $225 if the Habs win. That's what I think it means. Don't take my word for this because I've never placed a bet in Vegas in my whole life, and I and I don't think I ever will. On sports, you get me on the blackjack table, Tim. I'm a flipping animal, and I'm doubling down on any time I get a pair. That's what I do. I don't care if you're annoyed on it. I'm doubling down. I'm splitting tens. I don't care. I just like to gamble on the blackjack table. It's what I do. I double down on a soft nine. Dealer showing six. You go for it, baby. You know what I mean? You have to. You have to. Anyways, moving on. So let's break down the offensive offense side of it, Tim. Do you want to you want to touch on the juggernauts that we have in this series right now and how offensively skilled both of these teams are? Uh, I think there's only really one offensive juggernaut oh, in this in this no, series. How dare you, sir? There, Montreal has some. I, I I now I've seen the day. I'm sticking up for Montreal. Yeah, That's some offensive upside. How bite your tongue, sir? Okay, so here's the thing: if you took the both teams combined and just ranked all their players and uh, by how many points they have, six of the top eight are Lightning players, and then after that, there's a bunch of guys that are tied. So of the, of the top eight, I just went with that: six of the top eight: Kucherov, Point, Kalorn, Stamkos, Hedman. In order, then you get to Foley and Suzuki, and then Anthony Cirelli right behind them. So clearly, the offense, at least the top of it, favors the. Um, the lightning. And then you even look at like their, their goals against and our sorry goals for as a team, Tampa's flying at 3.22 and Montreal is almost a full goal less at 2.52. So it's not just the players. It's the team. The offense is clearly stacked in favor of the lightning bolts. Well, here's the thing. Does that even matter? Does that even come into consideration? It matters. Yes. It comes into consideration. Yes, it does. But Just hear me out because Going into every series that the Montreal Canadiens have gone up against the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Winnipeg Jets, they've, they've been the underdogs like, oh, this first line is going to run right over the Montreal Canadiens. And then they sick Deneau, Gallagher, and Lycanen on them, and though that line just disappears. So is this the same thing for Kucherov, Point, and Palat? Are they just going to completely just be gone and they're going to have to rely on their bottom three? Because when you look at Tampa's bottom three, now, don't get me wrong. They're very skilled, but they're also not that scary if you take that first line off the map. Their second line is Sorelli, Kalorin, Stamkos. Very dangerous. That's a right? great line. Obviously, Stamkos is – he's a sniper. 
Kaloran is a workhorse. He kind of does everything. And Sorelli is, is a good sentiment. He's not a da- like, I, I wouldn't call him a super dangerous sentiment, but he gets the job done. Then you go into two kind of lunch pail lines with Gaudreau, Gordon Coleman, and Colton Johnson and Maroon. I, I wouldn't say they're dangerous. I'd say they're good for a goal every three games, those lines. So all of a sudden, if you're the Montreal Canadiens and you can neutralize Kucherov, who is not playing 100% right now. You know, he, he's, got a, he's got a hurt wing. He's got a broken rib. Something's going on internally inside of him. You got Pilat, you got points. If you can take away that line, this series, all of a sudden, Tim, it's interesting. It's very interesting. So would you say, who's got the better forward group right now? Who do you think? It has to be uh, the Lightning until proven otherwise. So like you said, it's a good point that they haven't – I mean, Deneau shut down all these top elite players in every round, so it could happen again here. But until I see that, I'm going to give the edge to Tampa here. Uh, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, Tim. I honestly am. And my reason is just – I just stated that. If – and here's the thing. The home ice advantage is going to be a huge part of this of this series because Tampa Bay is going to have the last change – they're going to be able to get their top guys away from that first line of Montreal. And do we even call them a first line? Let's just call them the shutdown line. If Tampa can get Kucherov and Point and Pilat away from Deneau's line, this will be Tampa series. Now, if Montreal can somehow manage to get, I, I'll say 75% of those guys' shifts together, this series is a toss-up, honestly, because if you're looking at the bottom three lines, I like the Montreal Canadiens over the Tampa Bay Lightning. I really do. When you just look at those forwards from top to bottom, Montreal has really, really good depth. And it, I can't believe I'm saying this, honestly. Like, honestly, I can't believe I am saying this, but it's a big if you can neutralize that first line because no one has done it. Kucherov has 27 points, and he's just been absolutely unstoppable. If somehow they can do that, I, I give I give the edge of Montreal in, in depth and forwards from top to bottom. Well, don't that, forget that all of those points came before the injury, too. He's clearly playing through most likely a broken rib or something close to it. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a big part of it. But it's a good point. Like you said, if Deneau can shut down that line, then the bottom three lines against Tampa's bottom three might be advantage Montreal, or at least it's even. It's not, it's not the blowout that the stats may make it seem like it is on paper. Well, I think it's without a doubt advantage Montreal. But which line from Tampa Bay scares you other than – I'm not even scared of the Stamkos line. I'm really not. Steven Stamkos, he's an unbelievable player. I think he's very dangerous on the power play. That's where he really, really shines when you put him on that kind of top of the wall. circle, yeah. circle, and he's just firing clappers. They, I have seen so much. Maybe I haven't watched as much of Tampa Bay's games, but just it's been so fun watching Montreal just work other teams with Caulfield, Suzuki, Toffoli. Then Paulie Biron and Kakinemi and Josh Anderson, they're slowly becoming a very dangerous line. And they produce, I want to see on a nightly basis, Tim. So when you could roll out four lines who are dangerous, it's very scary. So I don't know. Like I'm slowly starting to, and God, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like I, every fiber of me doesn't want to do this, but Montreal is a good team. 
And then you throw on the fourth line with Armia, Stahl, and Perry. It's like, that's a pretty darn good fourth line. If you're matching that up against Johnson um, and Maroon's line, I'm taking Montreal's line. So if, if it's strictly like, okay, like they do in fantasy, it's like, who's, who's getting the edge? First line, obviously Tampa Bay has the first line. If, if they're going strictly by points, Tampa Bay's first line is going to get more than Deneau's line. That's my prediction. If you're going by second line, are you going to take Toffoli, Suzuki, Caulfield, or are you going to take Stamkos and uh, his line? Like, who are you going to take? That's a wash. If I have to pick one, I'd probably pick Stamkos. Stamkos, Kalorn, and uh, was it Sorelli? Just because really? the, the, the experience is there, the pedigree is there. I don't, I, yeah, as exciting as like Caulfield and Toffoli are, I, I'm picking Stamkos's line. I'm taking Suzuki's line. And then the third line, are you taking Goudreau, Gord, and Coleman, or are you taking Anderson, Kaki, Nemi, and Biron? The Gord line. Well, you're all Tampa. And then for the fourth line, are you going Maroon, or are you going Stahl, Perry, Armia? I'll go Stahl, Perry, Armia there. So you're taking Tampa Bay's forwards. I'm taking – this is unbelievable that I'm doing this. I, I just picked Montreal's forwards there. I yeah, just said you that. Took, you took three to one, Tampa Bay. Yeah, oh, they have a better forward lineup. And then let's let's also go back to the power play as well. We haven't touched on that yet. But I disagree. I, I don't want to just skate by this. I really think Montreal has a better forward group. I think when you look at the 12 as a whole, Montreal's 12 forwards, I don't want to say they're vastly superior, but they have the edge. And you can't just go experience because if that was the case, Montreal would have been beat out a few rounds ago when they played Winnipeg. Winnipeg had vastly more experience than Montreal did. I think it's almost to their advantage that Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki are so fresh and they haven't been here before. Kaki and Emmy, those guys, like they're they're playing with just a house money right now and they're having fun. You can look at them when they're on the ice. They're just buzzing around. They're smiling. They're chirping the other team's goalie. Like they're just going out there and just playing hockey. So I think just based on forwards, I'm, I'm going to give the edge to Montreal, which is crazy because – I don't know. They've they played really, really good teams that have always picked the other team, but then I end up being proven wrong. When I when they played Montreal, uh, Toronto, I was like, Toronto has a vastly superior forward group, and they just shut them down. When they played Winnipeg, same thing. They played Vegas, same thing. And now here we are, they're playing Tampa Bay. You would think Tampa has such a strong group, but when you look at it from top to bottom, they're pretty balanced, these Montreal Canadiens. They really are, and they play they play a good style of hockey. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm taking Montreal. You're taking Tampa Bay. You know, call it a wash. You know, we can't agree on anything, but you mentioned power play. Why don't you break down power play for me? Well, yeah, and uh, we can loop this in as the as the offense, even though it's not necessarily only forwards on the line, obviously. But Tampa Bay's power play is best in the league at 37.7%. To call it 38. Montreal's a much, almost barely more than half that, 20.9, call it 21%. That's, just, that's a pretty significant difference. And in a time where, you know, there's going to be penalties called, probably hopefully the refs relatively put the whistles away and they're not influencing the series too much. But if Tampa can get two, three, four power plays a game, you're not going to score one or two, and that's going to be a difference maker for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. Here, The way the special teams works, if you got to win the special teams battles if you want to win the series. And I, I don't think you can – you can disregard that Tampa Bay. They do have the advantage. I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference. I think both of these teams are pretty disciplined. I don't see any player on either side, really just a parade to the penalty box. We saw how the refs are calling the games. They're letting them play. They're, they're pretty disconservative with their whistles. So I honestly don't see there being a game when there's a lot of penalties, maybe a team might get two, maybe three. I don't think that's enough to really make a difference. 
So yeah, maybe Tampa Bay might score one. Montreal might score one. I don't think the special teams are going to be the factor in this series. As kind of counterintuitive as it might sound, usually the people are all over it. You got to have the special teams. They have to be buzzing. That That's going to be the, the game changer. I don't think that's going to be the difference. I really don't see Montreal taking that many penalties. They don't have any guys who are pests. They don't have guys who put themselves in vulnerable positions as far as hits. They don't have guys running around on other players. They just don't have that type of play. Their defensemen are veterans. They know how to hold back when they have to hold back. They know how to be aggressive when they have to be aggressive. So, yeah, Tampa's got the the big edge in power play percentage. I just don't think it's going to be a factor. I think when you look – I was surprised by this stat. The goals for per game – Montreal has more goals for per game. Excuse me. They don't. Tampa Bay does not have that many goals for per game than Montreal does. Tampa's at just a little over three. Montreal's at just a little under three. So I don't I don't know. I think when it comes down to it, if you're playing five on five, I I like Montreal. I really do. And and that's including all the power play goals that Tampa Bay's have gotten. That's including their eight-nothing drubbing of the New York Islanders last game. I just think I don't know. It's insane. I'm not trying to argue for Montreal. I just don't know how I can't because when you look at the lineups, when you look at the matchups, just on forward, the whole forward lines, I like Montreal. I really do. And that's not saying Tampa Bay is just going to roll over and die or Montreal is going to run over. It's a slight advantage. This is going to be a great series. I don't know which way it's going to go, but um, I'm giving my edge to, to Montreal, even with the power play included. So let's shift to defense then, because I think this is where the series is probably going to get decided. And a crazy fact, as I was doing my research, I was you know doing a little digging on the stat line. Nobody on either of these teams finished in the top 35 in points in the regular season. And the, num- the number one there with 35 was Braden Point with 48 points in 56 games. So it clearly goes back to the old idea that defense win championships. You can have all the running gun, high scoring guys you want, but it's the defense and the goalies that win championships and the responsible forwards that play two ways, which factors right in here. I mean, obviously you have to factor in that, that Kucherov wasn't playing this year and he certainly would have been in the top 35, if not top five or 10, but um, goals against for Tampa is 2.06. Montreal is slightly worse, 2.18, but that's basically a wash. We can call that even. Did that surprise you that that Tampa was better than Montreal and the goals against there? No, because they're so good with puck possession. They really are. And they have that veteran D who've been playing together, and it doesn't surprise me at all. And they, they didn't play in a division that was just screaming offense either. So when, you, when you're playing half of your games versus teams that are just struggling to even show up, like it's not hard to have that low of a goals against. So even Montreal, that Montreal's goals against surprised me. They were in a division that was just run and gun. It was all offense. You're playing Toronto, you're playing Edmonton, you're playing Winnipeg. All they want to do is fly up and down the ice and score goals. So for their goals against to be at 2.18, that's it's pretty impressive. It's a very surprising stat for them. Tampa Bay, it's not hard to like shut down the teams that they played against. Oh, we're going to play Florida. Yeah, just, you know, not very difficult. So, Again, edge to Montreal, Tim. Uh, the pot, the penalty kill. Tampa has a very respectable eighty three percent, but Montreal is the best in the league at ninety three point five percent. So you got the best penalty kill, shutting down the best power play. It's, it's kind of a immovable object versus unstoppable force this week, right? Um, what does, does that? I mean, how much of a factor is that to you compared to giving Montreal an edge on defense? Is that just like a huge, huge win for them? 
Well, it even more solidifies the fact that I think power play and penalty are going to be just null and void in this series. If Tampa does get a power play, Montreal is going to kill it off. I don't see it being a big factor. I don't know. Do you think the special teams are going to be a factor in this series? I mean, they all... They always are, right? It's kind of, I don't know. Be, I would have a hard time saying it's not going to be a big factor. But, yeah, I think, like you said, Montreal is just so good at shutting down penalties, and they're not that great in the power play. So maybe it's just it's not as big as it normally would be in, in, a, in a series like this. I think the only reason it would be a factor is if Montreal does get in penalty trouble, they really only kill with five defensemen. So they rely on those top four guys pretty heavily. So if they have to continue to kill penalties, kill penalties, kill penalties, that's going to weigh on them. You don't want to wear those guys out killing penalties. You want to keep them five on five. You want to keep them for the power play because they're going to have to be matched up versus Kucherov. Everyone says the Deneau line is so great at shutting guys down. You have to remember the defensemen are a huge part of that too. Yeah, Deneau's good. He, he's the centerman. He's going you know up and down the ice. He's, he's hounding the other guy's centerman. He's very good in the corners. He's very responsible. The defensemen are a huge part of that. Um, Gallagher, my my Siri keeps going off. Can you keep? Can you hear that? It's wild. No, no, I can't. I don't like it, and I'm not getting under my chair to turn it off. I really, Gabriella, can you give me my phone, please and thank you. Sorry, Tim, it's right behind me on the counter. It's just life. I, I'm sorry, everybody. Let me just turn my phone off real quick. Here, thank you. It never goes off, you guys. I don't know why. Okay, thank you, Gabriella. Thank you, kiddo. All right. I just turned it off, I think. Anyways, moving on. If they can keep those guys fresh, if they can keep them off the penalty kill where you're constantly going front of the net to the corner, front of the net to the corner, you're out, you're fronting, you're blocking shots, it's hard to penalty kill as a defenseman. It really is. You're always moving. You're just constantly getting pucks fired at you and just getting buried in the corners. If they can stay out of the box, get those guys fresh, keep them for five on five, focus on Kucherov, Pilat, and Point, I think that's a big asset for Montreal. So the only reason... I say the special teams might be a factor is that keeping those four guys fresh, because like you said, last episode, they rely on those guys so heavily, so, so heavily. I don't even think Gustafson and Merrill are flying to Tampa Bay. I think they're <laughs> taking a bus. Cause they're like, we won't need you to show up. We might need you to pass some water around because those four guys, you thought they played a lot in the Eastern conference finals. Just wait. They're all going to average 25 plus minutes. It's going to be just let's, we're going to wear them, run them into the ground. I played on Chicago and they had that same mantra with Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. It was, these are our horses. We're going to play them every other shift and we're going to put Chalmerson and whoever his partner was out next. And we're just going to ride these four guys, Johnny Scott, Sean O'Donnell. You guys might go every fifth or sixth shift. And that's how it went. And that was in the regular season. So in the playoffs, it got even worse. I, I did play some playoff hockey with Chicago, you know, as a defenseman, and I barely saw the ice. Like, you had to make sure the other team's fourth line was on the ice before I even stepped on the ice. And that's what's going to happen with Marion Gustafson. The D coach for Montreal is going to have to be assured, like assured 100% that it's Maroon Johnson's line before he even lets those guys on the ice. Because if those two guys get caught out versus Kucherov, it's like, whoa, I might, you know, I'm in trouble. Like, that's, that's the way you lose the game. I mean, I, I like uh, Montreal's defense more until we get to that third pairing and just realize, like, how much, how, how much can those top four guys really handle, especially against the high-powered offense like Tampa? So, I mean, one through six, which, which defensive core do you like better, Montreal oh, or Tampa? Tampa? Tampa Bay by far. I think without a doubt, I think they have the size that Montreal has, but they also have the offensive ability. When you look at 
anytime you have a Victor Hedmond, he changes everything. The guy can eat up 30 minutes like it's nothing. He's in the he's in the offensive zone like the top eight guys. Hedman is number five if you, if I if I you know my memory's correct. There's no other defenseman in the top eight, probably even the top ten. So Hedman does everything. He was the call or the Con Smythe winner last year. He is a very 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 good defenseman, and him being with Tampa Bay puts some light years ahead of Montreal. I think if you're going to rank all the defensemen, it goes Hedman one, like Weber two, Petrie two, maybe Edmonton's right up there. But then Sergachev isn't no slouch. Savard is just a horse back there. McDonough is such a solid defenseman. Chernock is a very tall, solid defenseman. And then I don't know much about this Ruta guy. Do you know anything about this kid? Not a ton. He's a good player. Obviously, he's playing with Hedman, so he's got to be able to log those heavy minutes. But I don't know much about him. So top to bottom, Tampa has the advantage, in my opinion, by far. They not even close. I don't know. You think Montreal has the advantage? What do you think? Well, yeah, as a team, yeah, just because if you look at their their penalty kill, you look at their goals against is, is right there. But, um, yeah, I, the, the part that just makes me nervous, like we keep t- talking about, is that top four and, and how much ice are Maryland Gustafson going to be able to see? Even just to, like, give these guys a break. Like, like you said, every third, fourth, fifth shift, just give them, give them a break. Um Okay, so final your final thing is defense is in favor of Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's funny that we're opposite on every and everything so far. And we, I, for our listeners, we didn't plan this at all. Like we go into this, we don't share our notes. We kind of just go into this blind and we have an honest debate. And it's interesting that you take Tampa Bay for their four, and I'm going Montreal. And now you're going. I don't know how you can go Montreal for the defense when it doesn't it, it doesn't make sense to me when you have like a Norris contender in Hedmond, you have a young stud in Sergachev, you have a lockdown defenseman in Savard, you have a guy who can move a puck like McDonough, you have a big body like Chernock who just doesn't take any lip from anybody, and Ruta, who I don't know anything about, but I'm assuming he's a good Finn or a Swede, and he's playing with Hedmond, so he's got to be able to move the puck. Then you go to Montreal, he's got Chariot, Weber, Edmondson, Petrie, that's great. And then you have like a bunch of, like no offense to Marilyn Gustafson, they're, they're basically nobodies on the fifth and sixth pairing. So it's very strange to me that you could not take Tampa Bay in this circumstance, Tim, but I love it. All right, let's move on to goalies. Price first, Vasilevsky, and this could be the story of the series. Vasilevsky in the playoffs has a 1.99 goals against and a 9.36 save percentage. Price is right behind him with a 2.02 and a 9.34 save percentage. So basically they're, they're identical, right? Which goal would you like more and why? like my heart wants to say price because he's just so incredibly good. I'm Canadian. He's Canadian. I know more about him. I played against him more. I was on his team for goodness sake. Um, I want to say price, but if, if you look at Vasilevsky is just so incredibly good. He, he makes things look easy. He's unflappable. The stat early about the shutouts in clinching games. Like he's just a really solid goaltender. If I got to okay price. I really do. I think he is just like a hair, honestly, a hair. I think if you want that save, but then you think of Vasilevsky, he's got highlight reel saves for himself. So they're very similar. I don't think the series is decided by goaltending. I think they're both going to play well. They're both excellent goaltenders. You could, you can't go wrong with either of them, but if there is an edge, it has to be Carey price. The way he's playing, the way he has just stepped up in big games. Vasilevsky has shown himself as maybe being human this playoff series. He didn't play that well versus Florida in the first round. He has shown glimpses of maybe, you know, struggling a tad. And I'm just, I'm nitpicking here, Tim. I'm not like, this is very nitpicky. He's obviously 
a world-class goalie. Price has just been lights out. Like there's been some games where Montreal's been outshot five to one, and Carey Price has just dragged them to a win. It's it's funny though because here we go again with the opposite. I was just about to say that Price seemed like like just like a human who just elevates his game when it matters most, and that's what is like machine. It's just like automatic the saves he's making. It does he doesn't make it look hard, and the numbers he puts up. It, if you look at just he's just like a, just a tiny bit better so, so far statistically than Price, which makes me think like he's just made in these in these games in these series he's made one more save than Price has for the most part, which makes you wonder like is that what it's going to come down to? Which of these guys are going to make one more save than the other? There are going to be a lot of tight games. I think. And you also have to factor in that Vasilevsky's got four shutouts, three of which came from elimination games. The price only had one. So, I mean, I don't, I, do we see a shutout in the series? Probably not, but you have to just think about, how, you know, how good he's been down the stretch. So I'm going to give Vasilevsky the very, very, very slight not overpriced, but basically it's a wash if I'm, you know, gunned ahead. Yeah, it, it's, it's very close. And when you kind of compare Carey Price to the last time Montreal was in the Stanley Cup Finals, they had some guy you might have heard of him, Patrick Waugh. Everybody thinks of Patrick Waugh in that series. He won Montreal that Stanley Cup. He was so incredible. And when you look at the comparable stats side to side after the first three rounds, it, it's like you're looking in a mirror. They're, they're identical. The only thing that's different is Carey Price has slightly better stats, minutely. But when you look at the goals against the save percentage and the shutouts, Patrick Waugh didn't have one shutout. Carey Price has one. He's got a better save percentage, better goals against. It's kind of eerie. How this is working out. Montreal, going into the last round, they rely on their goaltender. They got a bunch of ragtag group like Montreal did in 93. So it's going to be interesting. So for Montreal to win, who's the X factor? Who's the guy or guys or players that need to produce in order to bring home the cup back to Canada? I mean, obviously it's price, but you know what you're going to get from him. You know what he's going to bring his game. So I think it's going to be the fourth line. I just love that fourth line. And I think it's going to be Cole Caulfield. He just brings that energy, that spark. Him and Suzuki have great chemistry together. He can score in the rush. He can score in the power play. Just, uh, yeah, for me, he's probably that piece. I know it's maybe a bit of a cliche to say everyone's talking about him, but he's just an absolute spark plug for that offense. My X factor is Kucherov. He, if, if he can somehow maintain his health and produce, not to set the same rate that he has been because he's been producing at an incredible rate, 27 points in 16 games. Like, that's that's amazing. It's almost two points a game. If he can come up with a point a game, I think Tampa Bay takes this series. Now, in turn, the X factor for Montreal is, is their defenseman. If they can lean on Kucherov, make him uncomfortable, get him out for one game, maybe two games, this will turn this series, and I like Montreal's chances because with Kucherov, Tampa Bay is a completely different team. Without Kucherov, they're not the same team. So the X factors are those those big defensemen in Montreal. Can you make it hard on Nikita Kucherov? That that's Cole Caulfield's going to get his. He's a good player. Tofoli, Suzuki, those guys are dynamic. We saw it for the first three series. They're going to get their goals. They're going to get their chances. They're going to be exciting. Stahl, Perry, Armia, they're going to be great. Josh Anderson. Is he going to be the player that we know he can be? Is he going to kind of just be, is he going to disappear? Who knows? But the guy that they need to lean on is Kucherov. The players that are going to do it are the four defensemen. Can they get in and, and really shut him down? Another X factor is, can the Deneau line shut them down? And in turn, can the Deneau line find any offense? We saw that they won it for them in game seven or in game six, excuse me, in overtime. 
can they somehow find that offensive mojo? Because I think if, if they all of a sudden start producing, Montreal's a very dangerous team, Tim. Like they all of a sudden go from a team that's relying as, as, as a shutdown line, you know, maybe we can pop a goal in from Caulfield. If that first line can turn into a pretty consistent first line, which I don't think they're going to, but if they can, I think the series is over at five, as, as crazy as it, as it sounds. If Kucherov is out in that first line, pots a couple goals, it's this series over in five, without, without a doubt, don't you think? Yeah, it is. I, I just I keep going back to the special teams. I know you said you didn't think it's going to be a huge factor, but there's a lot of guys in this team, and I, I know they're disciplined. But the, the, these guys on both teams, like Perry, Pat Maroon, Gallagher, Coleman, they, they know how to get under their opponent's skin, right? If they can kind of draw a couple penalties by getting retaliation, by getting slashes, whack a mole, all that stuff, if that if that turns into an, an extra power play a game, that could be a huge swing in the series, and I just don't. I hope not because I hope the refs pretty much keep their whistles in their pockets. And I hope these guys have a discipline at this stage in order to get here. But I think it's another thing to be considered too. Tim, what wins championships? I think it's uh wingers, right? They're having the best wingers. False and a high price goalie. Well, here we are. We're getting my, my kind of fact about the goaltenders being debunked right now. Both of these goalies make a boatload of money, but to win a championship in my mind, you have to be strong down the middle and you have to have a strong defensive core. When you look at both of these teams, which team in your mind has the best center group? You got Tampa Bay, you got Sorelli, you got Gord, you got Point, you got, who's the fourth? Johnson. Tyler Johnson, yep. And then when you look at Montreal, you got Deneau, you got Toffoli, excuse me, Suzuki, Suzuki. you got Kakianemi and Stahl. Which group has the better centerman in your mind? They're super close. I'm going to give the edge to Tampa. You're crazy. All right. And, and you already know you took Montreal for the, the edge of the defense. All right. Last question. Who do you got winning the series, Tim? And then we'll, then we'll leave it at that. I might surprise you. I'm picking Montreal on seven. Did you, did you just said Tampa Bay's the edge in everything, goaltending forwards and defense. No, I didn't. No, I no, said Montreal's no, defense. Um, and I said goaltending is basically a wash. Yeah, Montreal – I, it's just so close, and I, I think they're going to surprise them still. I think I think Tampa's probably still, no matter what they're doing, they're going to underestimate Montreal. I think Montreal's just got that. It's they have the mojo right now. They have a great story, and I just like what they're doing. So yeah, I'm going to pick Montreal on seven. There's no way they do it in less than seven, but yeah, seven games. All right, I got Tampa in six, just because I don't like Montreal. I know I should take Montreal. I want to take Montreal. I think they have a better team, top to bottom. I just Tampa's got a better defense group. Their goaltender's a wash, and their centerman. I like I like the centerman on both teams. So if I'm going to go by my formula, I'm, I'm taking Tampa Bay in six. It's going to be a very close series, though. There will be three or four overtime games. It's going to be a very interesting game. All right, I'm getting bombarded by kids. I have four of them around me right now. So Tim, game one is tomorrow or tonight when this gets released. Very exciting. We will talk to you guys on Wednesday. I'm going on a little vacation to Northport, Tim. So I'm going to be a not going to be able to see every day like I usually do. So it'll be fun though. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Anything else, Tim? Nope. Hi guys. Say hi girls. Bye. Bye. Oh, we got to brush our teeth. All right, everybody have a good night. We'll talk to you guys later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with John Scott, a member of the nation network of podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. 